As we prepare to spend time in God's Word this morning, would you just bow your hearts in prayer with me, please? Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise this morning. We thank you for who you are as we stand in just all of your awesomeness. Father, we recognize that we are unworthy and we bring nothing to the table. We recognize that it is only through your grace and your mercy in our lives, Father. We thank you for your Son, uh, the one that we do call Lord and Savior, We thank you that we can spend time together, that we can open up your word. Father, we pray that that our lives would look different this morning because of the truth that we read. Father, again, I thank you for the men and the women that are here this morning, the commitment they have to faithfully follow you. Continue to, to bless them and guide them. Again, we thank you for our time this morning and we ask that you would be honored in the things that we say, the things that we do, Father, even the things that we think. We thank you for your Son and it's his name that we pray these things. Amen. Now I have a couple of images to show this morning. The first image I have is just an image of uh, someone shooting Uh, a basketball. So, Danny, if you could throw that up. Now, shooting a a foul shot is not is not that hard. It's actually even called a free throw because it's it's easy to shoot. There's nobody around. There's nobody in your face trying to block the shot. However, although it's easy to shoot in this realm, if you add some crowds and some distractions, it becomes a little harder to shoot. Um, As you begin to, to try to find your spot on the rim. It, it, it gets a little blurry with all the waving and distractions that are going on. So there's, there's other things, like, like there's something as simple as, as riding a bike. Riding a bike is, is not that hard. You, once you learn to ride a bike, they say you never forget, right? It's just like riding a bike. How hard is riding a bike? But if you add some spectators and maybe the Alpe d'Huez, um, it gets a little more hectic. Um, If you can't see them in this, there are the riders coming down. So so it gets a little more it gets a little more difficult. Well all right, well let's let's talk about walking. Walking is is kind of easy to do. Um, Small children do it. It's it's not that hard. Um, It looks like it's fun. (laughs) But if if you were to add I don't know a cell phone in your hand, um, maybe a, a game on your phone that causes you to look down constantly. It begins, it begins to get a little more dangerous and, and hectic. I read articles this week about um, people falling off of cliffs or falling into water or somebody driving their car into a parked police car because they were playing on their phones. So these things, thank you, Danny, these things are, are not hard to do, but, but they all require a, 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 a piece of focus. It, riding a bike is not difficult. Uh, shooting a basketball is not difficult. Walking is, is not that difficult. But when you begin to add other distractions, other things that are, that are calling for your attention, other things waving at you, pulling at you, pushing at you, it, it requires a sense of focus. 
And, and as we try to, uh, try to walk and navigate Christian life in the world we live in today, it requires focus. The world is, is screaming at you. The world is pushing and pulling at you. The world continues to send applications your way that will draw your attention to looking down and not looking up. I, I mean, I, I find it hard sometimes to stay on tasks as well, and especially when there's things that need to, to be completed, but, but oftentimes you want to be somewhere else or doing something else. I mean, the Friday before vacation starts is not a very productive day. I mean, focus. Even now as you sit there, some of you are really struggling to maintain focus. I'm up here and it's hard to maintain focus. But, but it doesn't matter where... It, it, it doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing... No matter what the task is, there, it, you have to stay focused to complete it, to navigate, to, to do it well. And if we believe that Jesus is Lord, if we've been striving to be rooted and established in what we've been taught, where we put our eyes, it, it's very important. I mean, we should not be like these people who are walking around with their heads down, focused on something trivial. We should be looking up. We should be focused on things that are above. And we find ourselves this week in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 all the way through verses 17 this morning. Now in chapter 3 of of Colossians, we actually start to begin to change from, from looking at doctrine to conduct. And we can find similar outlines. We see this even in the, the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters lay out these truths of, 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 of rich doctrine. And, and then the final chapters of Romans begin to lay out how, how it looks to live them out. I mean, the same is true for the book of Ephesians. And, and we see this here in Colossians. What we believe determines often how we behave. We think back to Colossians 1, we, we focused on verses 15 through 20 and the fact that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over creation and He is Lord over the church. Colossians 2, we, we talked about our response to the very fact that Jesus is Lord, that we're to walk in Him. And Paul provides four things at that point for us to strive for, being rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. Paul actually writes in the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 16, he writes, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. There are practical implications that should be evident to us. If if we surrender to the supremacy of Jesus as Lord, our lives should look a certain way. Our focus should be in a certain direction. If you declare and defend the truth, but fail to demonstrate it in your life, then what does that say about what you're declaring? I mean, the words of Titus perhaps ring more true to us than we would like to admit. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. Warren Wiersbe, in his his commentary, writes this. 
about the the pagan religions that are taking place during Paul's day. He writes, a worshiper could bow before an idol, put his offering on the altar, and go back to the same old life of sin. See, what what a person believed had no direct relationship to how they behaved. Christianity is much different. Action and doctrine are connected. And brothers and sisters, we have been set free from the wages of sin by the free gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're called to live a life, uh, to live a life of a moral reproach. God's plan is to first make us new, and now we're to live as though we're new. It really just comes down to where we put our focus. I mean, do you, do you even know where to look? So let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Our our focus needs to be up. If you have been raised with Christ, believers have died with Christ, been buried with Him, have been raised with Him. And Ephesians 2.6 says, we have been seated with Him in the heavenly places. As, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is our position in Christ, dead in Christ, risen with Christ, seated with Christ. So how should we respond then? We're to seek the things that are above. To seek, to desire, to possess it. I mean, and this isn't the present tense. This isn't just a once in a lifetime thing. This is I wake up every morning and pursue sort of thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus is speaking. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we're focusing on things that will ultimately rust or tarnish, break down, burn up, fall apart or decompose, then all your energy, all your emotions, they're going to be misplaced. We're to seek out Christ and allow Him to become our ultimate treasure. When we do that, our hearts will follow. Think think for a moment about this past week. Or even the past month, if your days would have been filled with an unrelenting seeking of the things above, would your week have looked different? Would your month have looked different? Your responses, your concerns, your pursuits, your sins. I I know mine would have. We know that, that Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're, we're provided with a much-needed reminder that Jesus is supreme and in control. Psalm 110, verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. We know where Jesus is sitting. He's exalted. He sits at the right hand of the Father. The false teachers that Paul's dealing with here in Colossians, they're talking about these, these heavenly things. 
and, and the focus on these heavenly things and the importance of these heavenly things. But, but Paul's appealing to a much higher power. A power above all. He's speaking about Jesus Christ. We're not just seeking the things that are above, but we're supposed to be setting our minds on the things that are above, not the things of the earth. I mean, if, if you're going to set your mind upon something, you're thinking about it. It's a constant thought. You're, you're constantly going after it. Your mind is always going to it. It, it's, it speaks to a matter of habit. Make it a habit to think on things above and not on things of the earth. I mean, our feet need to be firmly planted on the earth, but our minds are to be in heaven. Our our thoughts influence our actions. So if, if you're placing our thoughts above and not on earth, our behavior is going to reflect those things that matter to God. I I know this is not easy. In every sense of the word, it's not easy. It takes it takes effort because we have such a desire to focus down instead of focusing up. We love to look down. I think about when you're tired. What does your head do? It drops. We we find when we're worn out, our heads go down. We like to look down. It's hard hard to focus up but if we if we can get our focus correct god will change our desires if we change our minds god will change our hearts finally brothers whatever's true whatever's honorable whatever's just whatever's pure whatever's lovely whatever's commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise Think about these things. Philippians 4.8 This is to be our focus. Seeking and setting our minds on the things that are above. Paul, Paul's not done here with the topic of being focused heavenward. In, in verses 3 and 4 he says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Paul kind of lays out some reasons here on, on why we should focus on things above. The first is you've died. You, for you have died. I mean, this is looking back to the cross. It, if I've been crucified with Christ, it, it's no longer I who live, but, but Christ who lives in me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Because you have died with Christ, You should have little desire for worldly pleasures. A a dead man does not long for the things of this earth. You have died. He moves on that your your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is this is really what it's all about. Without him there would be we would not we would just be dead in our sins. I mean John says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Christ is our life. When we focus on Christ being our life, we're able to have a new attitude about everything. If if He's truly your life, what do you have to fear? 
speaks about Christ will appear. Brothers and sisters, Christ is coming again. And if we believe this truth, then wouldn't it just make sense to focus up? He's coming back. Let's look. He finishes this thought with, we will appear with Him in glory. When you, when you think about the word appear, turning something invisible visible. I mean, when Christ returns, the real position of the believer will no longer be hidden to the world. We will be made known. When Jesus is revealed in His glory, we shall be totally transformed. I mean, Paul is telling us to focus. And we need to think about not just where we are now, but where we once were and where we're going to be. He's going to return. Where are you focused? I mean, what has, what has your attention? I mean, this has to be a deliberate effort. This is a daily choice to seek and to set our minds on things that are above. I mean, keeping your minds and your hearts in the right place will determine where we end up. They determine how we live. As our focus is directed upward, it will certainly change the way we see ourselves, the way we should see ourselves. I mean, our true selves. Not the, the Photoshop version that, that we try to present to everybody else around us, but our true selves. Paul continues to speak into this in verses 5 through 9. He writes, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covenantness, which is idolatry. On account of, of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices." Paul insists that it's not just a matter of getting a makeover. The old nature isn't just being renewed or reformed. It's being put to death. Not, not dressed up or fixed up. It's being put to death. Paul doesn't tell us to put new clothes over the old. The old must be stripped away, thrown away. It's not a matter of minor adjustments. It's not a tune-up. You need, you need to cut the old engine out and drop a new engine in. Because you have died and been raised with Christ. We now have spiritual power to slay those desires that want to control us. We have died to sin, but we must, we have, we must render sinful desires powerless over our lives. And the only way we're going to do this is if we focus our attention heavenward. And while we can't totally eliminate our sinful nature, we can treat it as something that is ineffective compared to Christ. The new life calls us to do more than just work on a few of our vices while we're holding the ones we love so close. It's more than just attending church once a week. We have died with Christ and now we need to live it out. Romans 6, 1-2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. 
How can we live in it any longer? We need to put it to death. I came across a a great illustration as an example for all of this. And if you take your Bible and flip all the way back to Numbers, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 25. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 25. While Israel lived in Shittim, the the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked itself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel. While they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of the meeting, when Phinehas, the son of Elziar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose and he left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Elziar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel and that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after all the covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. Phineas. Phineas sharing the jealousy of God, the, the zealousness of God, he, to the point where he, he goes and he, and he kills. He kills this, this man who is blatantly sinning before God, before the nation of Israel. And the plague stops. Paul, Paul wants our focus to be right. I mean, he lists, he lists sins In verse 5, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness. We need to be as bold and brave as Phineas to murder the sins that run rampant in our lives. Are, Are we jealous for God's honor? Are we zealous for God's honor? I mean, stop trying to ignore them or look the other way. Stop pushing them aside, hiding them in your dark places. Stop experimenting with them. Stop playing around with them and just kill them. Take the spear, walk into the tent, and kill them. Sexual morality. This general term, I mean, this refers to any illicit sexual behavior. Impurity. Our minds that are filled with with sensually suggestive thoughts that, that, that read sex into the most wholesome of situations. Passion. Or Or lust. I mean, it's, it seeks quick fulfillment. It always wants more. Love 
Love takes work and deepens over time. Lust only focuses on the now and the haves. Evil desires. Our, our physical desires are, are divinely given, but, but they become evil and, and motivated by the sinful nature, and they're ex- executed by these, by these evil ends. Since desire leads to deeds, we must purify our minds and our hearts. And then he gives us covenantness, which is, which is greed, which is idolatry. This is a sin of always wanting more. Oh, this, we always want more. In this context, it applies to the greed of satisfying evil desires for, for sexual immorality. A person who's never satisfied it and wants, wants what he has, envious of what others have. It leads to idolatry when things and, and people end up taking the place of God. God's wrath is coming. Paul, Paul's not writing this to just scare us to behave correctly. It, it's not a threat. God's wrath is real. His judgment is real. Hell is real. At some point you will stand and give account before Him. But God's wrath is balanced. It's balanced with His holiness, with His mercy, with His compassion, with His love. He's repulsed by sin and yet He's committed to us in love. Jesus will give you grace. But He will also tell you the truth about sin. He's the imperfect embodiment of of both grace and and truth. Just like he told the woman that was called in in adultery, go and now leave your life of sin. He too is is calling us to to focus correctly, to stop what we're doing, and just to follow him completely. You have died to sin. It doesn't stop here. Verses 7 and 9. In these two, once you once walked. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that, that you've put off the old self with its practices. First of all, we're reminded that this kind of behavior is attached to our old selves. The old us. The before Christ. Us. And if it's killed, it, it shouldn't be showing itself in our lives. I mean, but Paul lists for us these, these social type of sins. These are the ones that we're, we're quick to call our little sins. The ones that we overlook is just part of our personalities. If, if we're content to embrace these sins as who we are, then where's our focus? Is it on the things above or is it on me or, or you? I mean, Paul... Paul lays out here anger. It's just this continual attitude of hatred that remains bottled up within. And I can tell you that anger, it's just selfishly driven. And wrath, that's what comes bursting out. It's uncontrollable and and malice, this attitude of ill will towards other people. It's often this hidden hatred of the heart that, that leads to revenge, slander, we destroy someone else's good reputation by lies or gossip or, or rumors, obscene talk, crude talk, abrasive words. It's often filled with swearing or sexual innuendo, right? We like to seem witty and clever. And then lying to one another. This, this disrupts trust. 
It tears down, it tears down relationships and it often causes conflict. I mean, we need to stop lying to each other. We, we lie all the time. How many of us find ourselves this morning in pain, physical, mental, heartache, those that are struggling? What did you say when someone asked you how you were doing this morning? I did it too. Because it's easier. I I don't want to bother them. I don't want to have to share my issues. I don't have to unpack it all with them. Facebook, Instagram. we We only post the perfect stuff. I'm here to tell you, my kids are not always clean. My house is not always clean. My wife and I, we fight sometimes. I don't post that on Facebook. I don't want you to see that. I'm lying to you then. It's not me. This is me. You have put off the old self. And then in verse 10, you have put on a new self. You've taken off the old and you're putting on the new. You're not putting the new on top of the old. The new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Who is the creator? Flip, flip back a page to chapter 1, verse 15. He, being Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through Him and for Him. You have been renewed in knowledge after the image of Jesus. Verse 11 starts with the word here. The word here indicates that in Christ there should be no barriers of nationality, race, education, social standard, wealth, gender, religion, or power. The gospel breaks down walls of prejudice. It it just comes down to the fact of whether we will allow it to do just that. Verse 11 is a sermon in itself. Especially as we find ourselves in the nation and, and the world we live in today plagued by prejudice, fights over race and gender, social standing, wealth, religion. But since Christ dwells in all believers, regardless of background or social status, we must make sure we are not allowing any division or prejudice to take root in our own lives. The stigma of being different must be loved away as we strive for unity within diversity. Christ is all in all. So we're focusing on things above. As we, as we focus on these things that are above, it, 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 it does look different as we live out our lives. You will look different as you live out your lives. Once we have put to death our old self, what are we to put on now? Paul's kind enough to give us a list. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Pay attention to this list. It's, it's not just a list that, that Paul strings together. These, these are specific Christ-like attributes. When, when people speak or when we speak about wanting to be more like Christ, when we pray to be more like Christ, this, this is, is what we're asking. This is what we're looking for. This is, this is what we should be striving for. The Reformation Study Bible defines them as compassionate hearts, as, as in emotional, caring relationships with those that, whose lives are hurt and broken. An emotional, caring relationship with those whose lives are hurt and broken. It, it, it doesn't say within the church, it doesn't say within the community, it doesn't say within the home, it doesn't say rich or poor, it doesn't say black or white, it does it with those whose lives are hurt and broken. Kindness. A, a readiness to do good, even, even when it's undeserved, mostly when it's undeserved. Humility, a, a posture of lowliness and, and servanthood. Meekness. This, this could be gentleness. This is offering help, encouraging others. Oh, man, I love encouragement. Patience, willing to take the take the long view in, in the face of, of human frailty. If you spend any bit of time with other human beings, you're going to need to be patient and these are are not easy things to incorporate in our lives these are not easy things these are not easy things to even begin to try to do to strive for Uh, these are things that the world does not even desire i mean think about our current political situation i'm not sure these traits are seen in any of the candidates i've watched but we're not called to live like a political candidate. We're called to live like Christ. To focus on things above. To focus on compassion. To focus on kindness. To focus on humility. To focus on meekness. To focus on patience. Go back to your week. Go back to your month. Would it not have looked different if that's what your focus was? This leaves us to, to bearing with one another. This is to forgiveness. It leaves us to love. If your focus is correct, then it only makes sense to encourage and to support each other. When your focus is correct, it only makes sense to show the same forgiveness that we ourselves have been shown. When your focus is correct, it only makes sense to put on love. And, and love is the means of, of uni- uniting and, and holding together. It's what bonds it all together. It, it pulls in all the elements of a believer's life. And, and the other things mentioned lead us to maturity, but love is supreme. The next step is to show Christ-like attitudes, peace and thanksgiving in our relationships. 
Look at verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Think for a moment about what's ruling your heart. Would, would you say it's peace? Paul, Paul's not speaking about an inner peace. It's not about Zen. If we're focused on the things above, if we're striving to live like Christ, then how could we live with any hatred or contempt for each other in our hearts? This is the peace that Paul's writing about. And once again, Paul visits thankfulness. We talked about abounding thanksgiving last week. When, when your focus is correct, how could you be anything but thankful? We deserve none of this. Yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul finishes all this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual singing, or spiritual songs with thanksgiving and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the, and the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If, if the word of God is dwelling in you. If you have the Word of God in you, you have, you have something to offer. You have, you have something to give to others. You're called to teach them and admonish with them. Teach them the Word. Speak the Word. And what will you sing? It all, it all starts with the Word. Teach the Word. Admonish through the Word. Sing the Word. How well do you know God's Word? I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. If our focus is correct, wouldn't we have a desire to spend time in the Bible? Wouldn't we have a hunger for God's Word? Wouldn't we wake up longing to open the pages? Maybe not desire Netflix so much, or Pokemon Go, or the daily crossword puzzle. Not ESPN, but the Word of God. We schedule, we pursue, we run after these other things. Nobody ever talks about binge reading their Bible. I'm not saying you can't enjoy these other things, but, but realize how quickly we are to devote our time to the things of the earth, how quickly we look down and not look up. So open your Bible, study it, learn it, and then go teach it. Walk alongside others and help them grow in it. Look for opportunities, make opportunities to sing together, to give thanks together. Parents, you have children. They will listen to you sing without complaining, I promise you. We need to look for opportunities to bear with one another. 
When's the last time that you searched out an opportunity to forgive somebody? And I can be honest, forgiving someone is much easier to do when you're singing and giving thanks together. And then in everything we do and say must be done by the authority of Christ. This is, this is what... This is what the mark of a a life hidden in Christ looks like. This is the mark of someone focused correctly. Everything we do represents Christ in our lives. Your identity is in Christ. You have been raised with Him. You are part of God's chosen ones. So put to death what is earthly. Put on what you have witnessed through the life of Christ. Change your focus. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things above. And as we do, let's give thanks to God the Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Lord over creation and the Lord over the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise. We thank you for the son, your Son and the one that we call Lord and Savior. We thank you that we thank you for this warning and this call and this command to look up, to focus on the things above and not the things of this earth. The earth just pulls at us. There's things that, that are screaming for our attention. Father, remind us, remind us that you are worth more. That our treasure is in you. Father, give us boldness as we have to make stands in our lives, as we have to cut things from our lives that, Father, we, we, we frankly take enjoyment from. Give us wisdom as we discern what what we need to focus on and what we should not give our focus to. Give us confidence in your word that we would trust in the things that we read. That although the world is, is telling us something different, we know, we know truth. Let us stand on that. Father, as we look to walk in Christ, remind us of the things that we have taken off, that we have killed, and the things that we have put on as we strive to look more like your Son. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the thanks and all the praise. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.